Welcome to Treasure Time Podcast, which is all about growing up happy. You're here with podcast hosts Sophia Giblin and Nicole McDonald, the founders of Treasure Time. And they're here to offer advice on building your children's resilience during difficult times. Make sure to tune in every Tuesday and Thursday for bite-sized, playful tips and activities that can easily be implemented straight away to help support your family's mental and emotional health and well-being. Hey, it's Sophia. And Nicole. Welcome to the Treasure Time podcast, Growing Up Happy. Today's podcast is all about holding the boundaries, but flexing the rules in a play scenario. So this means taking the other principles of treasure time, making sure you put boundaries in place so that you can allow the child to have freedom of expression, but that you contain their behavior so that it's safe and appropriate. This also means being flexible with rules in games so that children can make their own rules. Nicole, how do you find this one? I find this one really interesting. I don't think I've ever been that good at boundary setting for myself, Sophia. I've been a bit of a people pleaser, people pleaser tendencies. uh, And as a result, I kind of suffered from poor boundaries until recent years, to be honest. So naturally, I did find this one really hard to do for the children because I wasn't that practiced in it for myself. As for the rules, well, my, my close friends from university, Rosie and Amanda, call me Monica from Friends, as I'm a complete uh, rules control the fun kind of girl, just like Monica. So it's, it's funny because I'm pretty good at bending the rules in like a work setting, as I've always worked in really creative environments, you know, marketing teams where we've been deliberately setting out to break rules and stand out from the crowd. And it's been like a, a, an advantage in, in that scenario. However, at home, I'm a really big fan of neat and orderly and rule following in the main. So even when we're playing like a board game or a garden game with the boys, until recently, we didn't really flex the rules with them that much. Once I got my head around that not mattering as much and, not, and the point of the game not being about following the rules and winning mantra or cause, kind of, I, the fun just was able to flow a lot more. So this flexing of the rules, I could actually stand back, let them decide what the rules were. They would change constantly. And I would be able to watch their little frustrations kind of fizzle away as they practiced this themselves. So not not um, not going to lie, I do have a tense moment every single time I do this, though, because I, I I don't I don't it doesn't feel natural, but it does feel really really playful, and I and I I enjoy it when it happens, but it's not my default default mode. Yeah, I think we can get a little bit confused with flexing the rules with children. And sometimes I think that we worry or there's a fear that if we always let them win or if we go soft on them, that they'll be a sore loser. But the opposite is often true. Uh, Children who never have the chance to experience the feeling of winning may never feel good or capable within games. And that really is their power as children is that they should be able to win games or, you know, they're, they're good at play. They're better than us. Um, but it's only when you feel capable and successful that you can really lose graciously. 
And that's where we might, might start to see difficult behavior with children where they feel it's really unfair or they might have real kind of dysregulation if they don't win. And that can sometimes be linked to a bit bigger feeling, which we'll discuss today. Um, but that's why in, in our treasure time sessions that we teach parents to do, we suggest not using games that have typical fixed rules like board games, etc. but finding games that children can create rules for themselves so they can experience winning under their own rules if that's what they need to do. Yeah. During this lockdown, we've been playful experimenting with setting really clear boundaries at the end of every day when we do like play in the garden. And we've tried hard in this period, in this lead up to doing this podcast, tried really hard to flex the rules in that situation. As my youngest son, Harrison, he was particularly getting really, really frustrated easily when he wasn't winning. And it kind of just spoiled everybody's fun. So giving this tip a go, we have really enjoyed letting the boys kind of take the lead as we've ebbed and flowed with the rules of playing it. Three, two, one and out. Um, all the games that we've we've enjoyed when when the sun's been shining and and they've evolved each game. And even midway during the actual game, they'll be like, oh no, it's now this or it's now that. And you're like, oh, right, right. Okay, thanks for letting me know. Because it's hard to keep up sometimes. Um, but as we've been turning our focus to watching them as we play alongside them, rather than just to win <laughs> as a competitor in the game, it has been so much more fun because we've, we've, you know, we've still enjoyed playing it, but we've got to watch in their excitement we've watched when they've decided to take risks and when they've wanted to bend the rules as they've wanted to and liked to win you know and and seeing them feel good and take control it it makes us feel good it's it's a lot more chilled out and relaxed you know it's just a more enjoyable experience for for everyone in the family so it, it really it really works um my husband, though, will be slightly nervous saying, oh, but he needs, you know, it's that he needs to learn not to always want to win. So, um, and that's, a, you know, I think that's really, really common. You know, he will lose at times. So it's really common for people to feel like that. So that's, that's in the back of our minds. So, and that's why, you know, we have been re resisting flexing the rules as we don't want to let them win all the time, kind of not realizing that in play, this isn't the time for the lesson on you can't win them all. <laughs> you know, it's not the time for it. Can I put a question back to you, Nicole? With Harrison, does he win all the time? In the play, no, no, he doesn't win all the time. But when he doesn't win, he gets really frustrated. <laughs> and that's when he changes the rules. Yeah, right. So <laughs> what happens is when children feel like they don't win enough, they'll change the rules so that they can win. Because let's think about what it really feels like as a child to not win or not win as often. And, you know, typically we can see this with siblings, especially the younger sibling, because yes. they don't as good as the older sibling. They're not as advanced. The older sibling is faster or bigger or stronger or quicker. All of those. So when it feels not fair, that's the feeling, right? It's so unfair that I didn't get to win. And when children, they can have, get quite triggered by it as you, as you sort of explained, and it can really spoil the fun, if you like. 
suggest that what that is, it's just tapping into some more difficult feelings that the child's having of maybe not being good enough. And that's not necessarily because for any other reason other than it's beyond their capability to win against people that are bigger, stronger, quicker, faster. Yeah, totally, totally. And I think it is, it is, you know, majority of the time he can keep up with his brother because he is pretty smart. Um, He's very fast and nimble. So sometimes he can win the races or bounce higher on the trampoline and but um there's a great little example of when we were riding our bikes you know there's two years between them and you know I I know a lot of children in Harrison's class have just learned more recently you know to ride without their stabilizers you know it's 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 not uncommon for it to take you know it spans a couple of years where well you'll learn to ride a bike without stabilizers. Harrison did it very, very early because we came back from a holiday at Centre Parks where he had a stabilizers on and he wanted a bigger boy's bike and he wanted to be like Callum. And literally we got home, we hadn't even unpacked the car and he got, he was like, I want in the garage, I want to get my bike out. And we had to take his stabilizers off. By the end of that day, he could ride his bike without stabilizers because he was so determined to be the same as his big brother. And so, yeah, I I totally get what you're saying. That is, and that drive, sometimes it is driven in a really positive way. The bike experience, you know, he never gave up, you know, it was really, really well managed. He had that self-confidence and self-esteem that he was going to give it a go and make this work. And it was an it was a, a one-on-one situation. It was him in the bike, playing solo, if you like. But um, that determination, when it's put into a family setting or a friend setting, um, isn't as controlled. You know, the, the feelings of frustration just spill out. Mm. Yeah, so it's, it's, as we've said, it can be that comparison thing and just a bit of frustration of not being as advanced. And it feels a little bit unfair and, you know, it can tap into that more difficult feeling of sort of not good enough. And so I think we just, we need to give kids a break when we're playing with them <laughs> um, because we don't want to perpetuate that feeling of not good enough because what, what can happen over time of lots of that feeling is that we see it in the films all the time, how the hero has to go through lots of trials and tribulations to achieve ultimate success. But that requires a lot of resilience and everybody's an individual and not everyone has enough resilience to keep losing all the time and not have an impact on their self-esteem. So it can feed into those bigger feelings of not, not being good enough. But the good news is that through play, we can give children those experiences of feeling great and capable and winning. Which is great and, and quite, quite an easy thing to do. It's just thinking of physically doing it, isn't it? It's just giving that a go. So, Sophia, how do you think we as parents can strike that balance of holding kind and firm boundaries and being flexible with the rules? Because sometimes it does feel like a slightly mixed message. Surely some rules are made not to be broken or is that just an expression? How can children distinguish the difference if we flex the rules? Because, like, for example, we don't really want them to obviously steal from somebody or we don't want them to throw food at the dinner table. I mean, sometimes like a rule's a rule, is it not? Well, boundaries and rules work together in a play scenario. So I think let's just be really clear here on like what's general day-to-day life and what's play because in play the rules can be slightly different 
Generally, rules are made to be abided by, and so are boundaries. So children in general life don't get much opportunity to test the edges of rules and boundaries. It's, this is the rule and you stick to it. But that's why it's really important that we create dedicated play space so that children can skirt around the edges a bit in a safe way to see what works for them as well as an individual. And this is important because it allows children to make up their own rules and be in charge, but in a really safe way when you have time together, which isn't usually possible outside of a play scenario where children have to do as we say. But let's talk about boundaries for a minute because this is an incredibly important part of raising children or working with children or any kind of dealings with children. Boundaries can look like really broad statements that keep children safe from harm and also to keep the household running in a smooth and consistent way. Boundaries sound like very short statements that are not there to be argued with. So here are some examples. Shoes are for the floor, not the sofa. Food is for eating, not for throwing. Water is for the bath, not for the floor. So you can see they're very short statements for what things are supposed to be where and that there's, they're non-negotiables, right? So when a child is breaking that boundary, we can just restate that boundary really short and simple. Yeah, um, that, that actually really helped. Um, there was one of the very first few that you gave me when they were much younger where we, we chatted about water is to stay in the bath, not to be thrown out of the bath. And it was, I just kept having to say it and say it as this little short sentence and it, it, it took a while, but then it started to be respected and they started to understand why mummy would be annoyed when it would be a swimming pool on the floor. <laughs> and it was slippy and it was slidey and that's not safe. And But at first for them, they didn't see any of that. They just saw that they were having a lot of fun, you know, splashing in the bath. Yeah, exactly. Which is why we just keep it very short and simple. And they may not understand it at first, but over time, then you just need to say the short boundary and they get it. They stop doing it. And what we do with boundaries is that we don't flex them because they are boundaries and they're non-negotiable and they're there to keep us safe and to keep everything running in order. But the same goes for rules. So rules are normally there to keep us safe from harm. And there are plenty of rules that we have to abide by. So for example, the law, that's their rules that we have to abide by. So children do need to know how to stick to rules, of course. But when we're thinking about rules in a treasure time context or in a play context, we are thinking about how we can create play opportunities where there aren't rules because it gives children the ability to go into their own imagination and creativity and get what they need from the play. And what I mean by that is not there are no rules, it's an absolute free-for-all. It's just that there aren't rules in the play about how play is, the play is executed. You let the child choose. So this means flexing the rules of traditional games and allowing the child to take the lead. And then I think there's a question that we have to ask ourselves, which is why is it so important to us that our children are sticking to the rules in play? And at what point are we potentially tapping into our own inner child who still finds it unfair when we don't win? Because <laughs> that is a genuine question <laughs> that we should be asking ourselves too. Is it that I don't like it when my child wants to flex the rules to win because it reminds me of when I was a child and I wasn't allowed to do that? Like that, that could be a real thing as well. So interesting, isn't it? multi-layered <laughs> so it, it can be hard to work out what's what sometimes right and what's what to do for the best so for our listeners what does healthy boundary setting look like at home what rules are say great to flex in a play scenario Sophia 
Yeah. So I think it's important that we don't get confused between rules and boundaries outside of play. Boundaries and rules outside of play are non-negotiable and the boundaries within play are non-negotiable as well. Boundaries are there. They're set by parents to keep children safe, to keep us safe, to keep our houses and everything within it (laughs) and to keep everything running in an orderly fashion. It's really important that you have boundaries so that you can manage your stress levels as well. So if you're managing your stress levels with good boundaries, that has a knock-on impact on your children. They, their stress levels will be lower too. So even if you know an activity will be good for the child to, to do by themselves, and that goes back to the last session we talk, when we were talking about allowing the child to solve their own problems, you know that that's good for their development. You may still have to put a boundary in place depending on the time and if it's appropriate. So for example, you talked about this. I know you really want to pour the milk into the cereal. <laughs> so I know that you yeah. want to but there's a boundary here, but mummy needs to help you with that. And I don't have any spare hands right now. So this time mummy will pour the milk to make sure it doesn't make a mess. And at the weekend we can pour the milk together. Do you see how the boundaries just kind of come in to contain the the activity? And so it might be okay to do that if it's the weekend and you've got time, but in this scenario, there's a boundary. I need to help you and I can't help you right now. Yeah. Yeah, it makes complete sense. And when you're explaining these things in a sort of short, concise way like that, it it does make sense. It's not confusing the child's the child. You know, we sometimes we don't give them enough credit for what they will understand when we explain it carefully and clearly. I think that's you know I've certainly been guilty at not not explaining myself. You know, just kind of saying this is the way it is. And I think that's where there's been a bit of rub and tension. Whereas when I have then explained, I would, you know, leave in the park, brilliant example. I'd like to, rather than saying it's time to leave the park, it's time to leave the park and they don't want to leave it and saying, but it's time, Um, you know, it's dinner time, we've got to go. Actually saying something more like I want, I know you really want to stay. I want you to leave the park now because I need, I need time to make dinner when we get home. And, you know, it's not about it being time for something necessarily. It's just helping explain to them that there's a reason for mummy making this decision. Yeah, exactly. We, we kind of miss out that bit in communication with children normally. We're just like, this is the way that it is. And if you don't follow the rules, then there'll be consequences, you know, and children are still learning about the world. So now this, this takes a real big like language. It's a language shift and it's a mindset shift into being very clear about why you're doing everything. (laughs) Why am I saying that children aren't allowed to do that? And that takes a lot of self-reflection. So until you do that piece of work, which is, let's be honest, a, a long and an ongoing piece of work all the time, it, it won't be second nature the first time you do it. You have to listen to this podcast and then listen to it again and then practice it in treasure time. And, and then like over time, it will become part of your natural language and you'll notice it will become part of your children's natural language as well. They will really understand boundaries very clearly when you speak in this way, but it does take practice. I, 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 it does take practice. I do love it when, you know, Harrison, you know, he's six will come up and say, Mummy, Callum has just broke a boundary. 
you know, and I think, wow, you know, you know what a boundary is. That's brilliant. You know, it took me 40 odd years to learn that. <laughs> um, so again, it's just this, like you both can learn together and it's just this great blueprint from, you know, knowing the boundaries between work and home or knowing the boundaries within relationships or making time for yourself. And, you know, it go, it it's, um, it's just a really great skill within treasure time to put in place for the whole family. I, I've, I found it's I've found it's just been one that we've been able to talk about learning together really openly. Yeah, exactly. And I think you're like learning why it's important to explain boundaries to your children, but also you're learning it for yourself, why it's important for me to have boundaries and keep you safe. It's, it's not just because I feel like it today. Is because actually there's there's really good reasoning why you can't run out into the middle of the road. It's because, you know, that's a very fairly obvious one to keep you safe. But well, why can't my child pour the milk in the cereal? Well, the fact is we're about to walk out of the door and they've done it before and they will pour the milk all over the table and they'll get it on their school uniform. They're all the reasons, but we don't have five minutes to list all the reasons. So sometimes you just say no. But if you say, yeah. um, you need mummy's help, with that and mummy doesn't have any hands right now but at the weekend we can do it together because we have more time that's a very clear boundary and it helps explain so that because I think that's another fear that people have is that if I allow my child to do these things are they just going to be belligerent and and break rules for the sake of it and then I'm left clearing up the mess well actually you know your child can take ownership for the whole thing obviously they're going to need your help at some point but that's part of the boundaries right so it's like well if if um, if you're watering the plants and you make a mess, then you are responsible for cleaning up that mess. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a good boundary to have. It's it's a good thing to learn in life so that we can use that when we're, you know, 18 years old and going on university. And we learn that when we use <laughs> dirty pans and stuff, we don't just leave them lying around for someone else to pick up. It's just it's good life skills, right? Yeah, they are life skills. And it's very interesting because the more boundary setting that we've put in place at home, and clear communication of those boundaries and responsibilities, the children have actually become more and more responsible. Um, so we've got one in place at the moment. We're like, well, actually, we're living at home in lockdown. We're not as rushed in the mornings and, and, and at certain stages of the day. So let's teach the children some of those life skills. So, for example, the boundaries that we and we rewrite our boundaries as a family, probably like maybe every two, three months, we, we sit down with the kids and and probably have five to eight things on a list. Um, and the top one never changes, you know, no kicking, hitting, shouting, <laughs> name calling anyone at any time for any reason. It's a red boundary. It's not to be crossed. And there's something negative does happen if that ha if that if the, that boundary is crossed. All the others are 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 just boundaries that we should respect is what we talk about. So um, we've put in place that we're not allowed to go downstairs in the morning unless we've made our own beds, brushed our own teeth and and changed, put clothes on, changed out of our pyjamas. So um, that's been fascinating how they have really, really just taken it on. They've been fantastic about it they've made their beds nearly every day there's been a couple of days where they've said oh I forgot and and we've said oh that's okay it doesn't matter go go up now and do it it's you know we all forget sometimes and you know a few weeks in they're just making their bed as routine 
practice and it's like oh that's fantastic so we've moved we then moved on to the next thing which is clearing your plates after dinner uh and lunch because mine tend to like just get up and leave the table and they, they don't do that I know many families their their kids might be already doing that fantastic but it's not something that my boys have really ever done it's been a bit occasional and hit and miss but now they know they take their plate they make sure it's clean they pop it in the dishwasher and they've been occasionally then helping up with washing pots and pans and and occasionally setting the table so it's just drip feeding all these things in but I I definitely can look back and and I think they are better behaved and take more responsibility the clearer these boundaries boundary setting has been they've almost like I don't know it's almost like it's been a little bit of a relief for them like oh I know now it's really clear to me what's expected and and that's easier to follow isn't it if you've got short sentences of what is and what isn't how we do things around here it's yeah. easy uh, and it's less stressful for everyone <laughs> because it's not the the it's consistent and it's not based on your mood that day as to what happens you know it's very clear yeah. and there's there's a great quote by Gary Landris which says without limits there is no safety so children actually really need limits and boundaries to feel safe um, and sometimes we might feel mean putting boundaries in place but children really need them and they thrive under them and when they when they don't have clear boundaries, they can feel a bit wobbly and a bit unsafe. And that's when you start to see behaviours where children kind of really grasp for control. Um, and this can even look like things like stealing or hoarding or excessive organisation or sometimes being controlling in relationships, in friendships or with siblings. And it comes from that, maybe that feeling of being out of control. So when they have really, really clear boundaries, they can just relax a bit. And a lot of these challenges can be reduced by keeping safe boundaries for your child, but also for yourself. So, that, so this is, again, it's always a two-way street, isn't it, on Treasure Time podcast? <laughs> it is. I didn't realise how, how much was, um, yeah, a little bit of time thinking about my, my behaviour. <laughs> That's the tiring part, I think. We're just on automatic most of the time. So when we can just be reflective, lots of this stuff will shift really quickly. Um, yeah it does that's the thing it's it is all of these things a little bit of time and attention but it's not a lot of effort to make these subtle changes that do make a really big difference quickly absolutely and as always my favorite thing about treasure time and the treasure time play that we teach people is that it gives parents the opportunity to practice these skills together with their child each week to learn how their child reacts and responds to these these sorts of things that we're talking about, like boundaries and rules. And then naturally people will start using these principles in day-to-day -day life, like you have, Nicole. It becomes the way that you frame your life at home. You have things like clear boundaries, flexible play, allowing the child to lead, being aware of our own reactions and feelings, but also allowing children freedom of expression and accepting their feelings. And that happens then just all the time naturally, once we can practice it. And parents practice it practicing these things during 30 minutes of play a week helps it just to leak out into normal life and it will just become part of your way of being. So something that I recommend that everybody who's listening to this podcast does off the back of this episode, um, all around rules and boundaries, is allow your child to teach you a game. Okay, And that game might be a game that you already know, but you're going to pretend that you don't. <laughs> you're going to get a game that 
maybe a game without rules. So a good example here is like with a deck of cards, depending on how old your child is, and you can let them teach you a game and they might try and teach you new rules to a game like Snap. But that's okay. Just go with the child's rules. Um, or what you could do is you could get a game that, that typically does have rules and then just give your child a free pass to make up their own rules if they want. So a good example of this is top trumps because you never know what the child has in their hand. You don't necessarily know if the child is lying or cheating or they might say, oh, well, I win that round because actually I've got the lowest points. You know, they might start making up rules like that and just go with it and just be like, oh, you are so good at this game. You are really beating me here. <laughs> and you can, you'll notice that children who need to experience winning a bit more will sometimes bend the rules in their favor. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that in this type of play. Just, just allow them to do it because it's part of what they need to do. But children who don't have that need probably won't do it quite so much, but just give them permission to make up the rules and play by their rules for that game. And your job as always is just to notice what they're doing and be curious, just like David Attenborough watching his wild animals. Oh, it's really great advice. I love hearing it all over again and the opportunity to chat to you because you just you just don't learn these things as a one-off. It doesn't work like that, does it? It takes patience and practice. And the great thing about this is because it's all about focusing on your child, like the your most precious thing in your life. And it is just so much fun and wonder, like stopping and 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 watching them like this. It's it's really good. And and we did actually do the um the game with uh, a deck of cards, but we chose Uno. And it was it was hilarious because they, you know, they changed the the rules of cards that you know what the, you know, if it's normally a pickup to, it was that you had to give two away and it was because it was the opposite of what it usually is it was so confusing as an adult but it's funny because the kids are just like oh yeah they totally get it and and they they had a lot of fun and and sometimes if Harrison wasn't winning or it wasn't going the way he wanted it to he did just change it halfway through as well and 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 that's okay you know and and the rest of us just went along with it and and it, it was good fun it was good. It was really just lovely to to see them enjoy being with you and playing and knowing that it really doesn't matter what the rules are as long as you're having a bit of fun together and enjoying each other's time. So yeah, I can't wait to hear what other other parents think of how their children reacted to to being given a deck of cards. Yeah, absolutely. And like all, like you said, all of these skills take practice. This is lifelong learning and it's so specific to your child, but just for everybody to remember that you are the expert in your child and every child is different. And really this is all about, as Nicole said, the relationship between yourself and the child. The play is a vehicle to allow that to happen in the best way possible. Brilliant. So next episode is really exciting. We're going to hear from one of our treasure time parents, one of our first parents that have been through the be the beginning of the course. Um, she's called Anna and she lives in Washington, D.C. with um, her two sons, husband, dog. And yeah, Anna is going to, to be on telling us and sharing next week about her experience of Treasure Time. Just wanted to commend you both for the excellent work you're doing. Um, and to provide you with an update that 
it's taken me some time to get through the first modules of, of, of Treasure Time. Um, and I finally got my box ready and tomorrow will be our first session. So I am inviting Luke later today to join me tomorrow. Um, and I will let you know how it goes. I'm super excited about it. I'm already implementing some of the things I'm learning and, uh, uh, I look forward to growing closer to him and, and seeing some more improvements in his behavior. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to tune in for our next episode. It's going to be a good one. We'll get to hear all about Anna and Luke's first treasure time session together. We'd love it if you could head over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast and give us a lovely five-star review and some words to help us keep reaching more and more parents with our Treasure Time podcast. Thank you so much and bye from us. See you in the next episode. Bye. This episode was produced by a podcast company. If you're thinking about making a podcast and changing lives just like the show you just heard, then make sure to drop me an email, jason at apodcastcompany.com. And let's see if we can help you like we've helped Treasure Time. Treasure Time.